What's up, everybody? Welcome to my podcast. This is Joseph, and we're back. Yes, sir. I just want to say it's good to be back. But um, but today's episode is not going to be a monologue where I'm just kind of talking and going off of what notes or thoughts I have. Instead, we're going to listen to this extremely long message that I preached at Winter Youth Retreat. I did not realize I preached so long, and I apologize to everyone that was there. Um, I didn't mean to take you hostage, uh, but... I hope it was a blessing, and I hope that today it blesses you. And uh, I may break it into two parts, but we'll see. Anyways, hope you guys enjoy. Genesis chapter 14, verse 13 says, And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, the brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born of his own house, 318 somebody say 318 and pursued them unto Dan and he divided himself against them he and his servants by night and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah which is on the left hand of Damascus and he brought back all the goods everybody say all the goods and he also brought again his brother Lot Now, you have to understand, Lot is not his brother. It's his nephew. But there's a reason that it is worded this way. His brother, Lot. Now, I'm not going to get into it right now. I'll, I'll get into it later. Suffice to say that a brother is born in adversity. It says, and his goods, and the woman also, and the people... And the kingdom of Sodom went out, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return. And at this point in the story, Abram is met with all these kings, but two of these kings in particular stand out, literally stand out. The king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedor Laomer and the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek king of Salem these are the two kings in particular that 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 represent something of meaning to us the king of Sodom and the king of Salem which is the primitive Jerusalem not the Jerusalem we know but the Jerusalem before we understand it and know it and it says that Melchizedek brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the most high God Melchizedek is an interesting character because he is the o- one of the only characters in the scriptures that is both king and high priest. And we'll get into that as well, but these are things that we need to keep in mind. And he blessed him, 
and said, Blessed be Abram, the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the most high God, which delivereth thine enemies into thine hand. And he, speaking of Abram, gave tithe to all. Now, I read this a hundred times in my studying, and just the other night, as I read it, God just kind of deposited it into my spirit. Abram basically gave a deposit to something that he would one day be sole proprietor. He would be owner of. He would be the manager, the steward of. He didn't know what it was, didn't really realize what he was doing, but he, he gave a deposit. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. Or as the original Hebrew reads, Give me the souls and take the substance. And so is my title today, and with the hope of the Holy Ghost, I'd like to preach to you, Souls or Substance. And I have here a little disclaimer, and, and, and as I heard Sister Fallon utter the words, I, I felt a confirmation, because my subtitle is The Intention Behind the War, and the Motives, motives in Which We War. Would you lay your Bible down, but don't close the book just yet? Because we're going to go back into that scripture, but would you just lay your Bible aside and would you lift your hands right now? And if you know how to pray, I'm asking you right now, would you help me pray? Would you pray for me today? Would you pray for Brother Joseph today? Would you pray that God would touch my lips of clay? God, would you speak to me today? Lord, would you deposit something into my heart, into my spirit, Lord, that I can take, Lord, and that I can use, and God, that, I, that would change the course of my life, Lord Jesus. Help me, God, to receive everything that you have for me today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated today in the house of the Lord. Genesis 14. If we can just go back to the first verse, I want to just give context to what we just read. Amen. It says that it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariel, king of Elasar, and Chedor Laomer, king of Elam, and Tadal, king of nations. Here it named off one group of kings, which for our uh, illustrations uh, purposes would be group A or group 1. Then names off a second group. It says that these, group A, made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, and Shanab, king of Adma, and Shemabur, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. So we have here the first group making or waging war on the second group. Understand, it's not giving us a reason why. It's not giving us a motive. We just know that a war is being waged. And all these were joined together in the vow of Sedim, which is the salt sea. And essentially, this is letting us know this is where the war began. 
if we can look at our first illustration, uh, if my media team or the media team would help me today, I have uh, an image that I would like to uh, display, and if they have that ready, I'm going to continue to read. It says that 12 years they served Chedor Laomer. And we don't know if there was a battle when they waged war. It doesn't really specify. We just know that when they met at this vow of Sedim, that there came a conclusion. Hey, we're going to serve Chedor Laomer. And these kings, uh, they, they served him for 12 years. Then it says, and in the 13th year, they rebelled. Now, I want you to look at this image. It may be hard for you to see, but you have up here in the northeastern region, you have the four kings, which is group A. And down at the bottom where it says Sedim, uh, near the Salt Sea is Sodom, Gomorrah. This is the, the group, group B. This is the second group of, uh, uh, of the story that, that the war was between these two groups. And if you notice over near Hebron, there's Abraham minding his own business. Amen. Sometimes you just got to mind your business. It's not my message, but that's a good one. Amen. And so you have these two groups, and it's important that we understand the, the, the setting and, and we understand what's happening here today. And it says in the 13th year they rebelled. And I don't know if it was for 13 years they had been rebelling or in the 13th year they said enough is enough and they, 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 they just decided we're going to revolt. Whatever the reason, it says that in the 14th year came Chedor, Loamer, and the kings that were with him. And understand at this point in the story, this emperor, this conqueror, the king of, of group A, he decides he's going to make an example of all of the rebels and the rebellion. If we can put the second image up there, it's the same image, but it gives us a little bit of understanding because the scripture says that he smote the Rephaims in Ash, uh, Ashtaroth and Carnium and the Zuzims in Ham and Amims in Shava, Kiriathim, and the Horites in their Mount Seir unto El Paran. Now, it's given you here in this image uh, the direction in which uh, this, this emperor or this conqueror decides he's going to deal with the revolt and the rebellion. He begins to attack one city at a time. Now, these other kings, I don't know if they rebelled. The scripture doesn't really tell us if they rebelled. But guess what? They're going to be made an example of because of the rebellion. So the king starts making his way down. I mean, this is better than a Marvel story, guys. As I was reading, I was thinking, you could, you could probably make a movie out of this. This is incredible. He makes his way down, and he deals with Rephaim, and he deals with Suzim, and he deals with Emim, but he bypasses the true enemy. And this is incredible because it's, it's a strategic play that he's doing here. He goes down to El Paran, down at the bottom, and then the Bible says that he makes his, his return and came to in uh, Mishpat, which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites that dwelt in Hazazon Tamar. And at this point, he has completely defeated the surrounding cities of the true rebels. He's completely cut off any resource to reinforcement to these true rebel kings. The Bible says, And there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, the same which is Zoar. And they joined battle with them in the vow of Sidim. 
with Chedor Laomer, the king of Elam, with Chidol, king of nations, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Elazar, four kings with five, or four kings versus five. And it takes us back. And the vow of Shadim was full of slime pits. This is where it all begins. And according to the story, this is seemingly where it all will end. And the only thing that I could find as far as uh, the purpose in all this is that it, was, it all began and it all ended in a vow of Siddim, which is full of slime pits. And slime pits is exactly what the word says that it is. It's pits full of slime. It was a, it was a battle that was, that was essentially, it was just pitiful. It was just a, a pitiful war. No pun intended. I was hoping to get a laugh there, but that's okay. I'll, I'll laugh at that later, amen, or I'll let you laugh at me. And so this war all began in, in, in what was a slime pit. So, and, and, and I read this over and over and over and over and trying to find the meaning behind it, and then it dawned on me. It just, God just put it in me, and, 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 and it just, it, it's, it's right there. There was no purpose. There was no meaning. There was no point to this war or this battle. This, this war actually is, is not even relevant to us, to our history, or, 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 or to the church. or It has nothing to do with us. As a matter of fact, the story is not even about the kings. It says that they took all the goods after they defeated the king of Sodom and Gomorrah. Actually, Sodom, the king of Sodom, the same king we read about in the beginning... He was such a coward, he didn't even fight. He saw the defeat that was around him, and he decided, hey, you know what, guys? I'm going to let you guys handle this. I'm out. And so we find that later on, after uh, Chedor, Laomer, he defeats all these kings, and, and he, he goes, the Bible says, and they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and all their way and they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son. Now here we find the true meaning of this whole story. Here we find the main characters of, 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 of our biblical history. They took Lot. This is why it was important that we know what was happening. This is why we need to know all of, of, of what I've shown you today because they took Lot. It, none of the other cities mattered. None of the other cities really, really meant anything to us. And, and, and really, honestly, and I know it sounds pretty bad, but they didn't mean anything to God either. Rephaim, Suzim, Amim, El Paran, Kadesh. God wasn't concerned with their defeat or with their slaughter. But we hear about a man whose name is Lot, who's Abraham's brother's son. Biblical commentary, Matthew Henry, and I promise you I'm not going to be boring the rest of the service, but we have, to, we have to get some kind of Bible. We have four things in the story of this chapter. A war 
with the king of Sodom and his allies, the captivity of Lot in that war, Abraham's rescue of Lot from that captivity and the victory he obtained, Abraham's return from the expedition, the account of what passed between him of King Salem and him and king of Sodom. And then we have the promise uh, that was given to Abraham in part fulfilled that God would make his name great. We have here an account of the first war that ever we read of in Scripture, and I'm reading here today, which though the wars of the nations make the greatest figure in history, we should not have had the history of if Abraham and Lot had not been concerned in it. Now concerning this war, we may observe the parties engaged in it. The invaders were four kings, two of them no less than kings of Shinar and Elam, that is, Chaldea and Persia, yet probably not the sovereign princesses of those great kingdoms in their own persons, but either officers under them or rather the heads and leaders of some of them, of some of the colonies which came out of those great nations and settled themselves near Sodom between, or be, but retained the names of the country from which they had their origin. The invaded were the kings of the five cities that lay near together in the plain of Jordan. And we have to understand why that's important, and we will. Namely, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Zoar. Four of them are named, but not the fifth king, which is Zoar, Bela, either because he was much more mean and inconsiderable or because he was much more wicked and inglorious and the rest and worthy to be forgotten. The occasion of this war, he writes, was the revolt of five kings from under the government of Chodor Laomer. Twelve years they served him, small joy they had of their fruitful land, while thus their tributaries to a foreign power and could not call what they had their own. Now, this is important. They couldn't call what they had their own. Rich countries, he writes, are a desirable prey and idle, luxurious countries are an easy prey to growing greatness. The Sodomites were the posterity of Canaan, whom Noah had pronounced a servant to Shem, from whom Elim descended, and thus soon did to prophecy begin to be fulfilled in the 13th year, beginning the, the, to be weary of their subjection. They rebelled and denied their tribute and attempted, hear it, to shake off the yoke and retrieve their ancient liberties. In the 14th year, after some pause and preparation, Chedor Laomer, in conjunction with his allies, set himself to chastise and reduce the rebels, and since he could not have it otherwise, to fetch his tribute from them on the point of his sword. Note, he writes, Pride, covetous, and ambition are the lust from which wars and fightings come. To these insatiable idols, the blood of thousands has been sacrificed upon pride, upon covetousness, and ambition. He continues to write, The progress and the success of war for kings laid neighboring countries to waste and enrich themselves with the spoil of them. Upon the alarm of which it had been the wisdom of the king of Sodom to submit and desire conditions of peace. For how could he grapple with an enemy thus flushed with victory? But he would rather venture the utmost extremity than yield and sped it accordingly. Speaking of King Sodom, and the quote he gives us here is, Kos deus destrut eos demantat, to whom God means to destroy, he delivers up to infatuation.
speaking of King Sodom, that he was infatuated with this idea of gain and gluttonous and spoils of war, yet he never intended to fight. You can't win a war that you're not willing to fight. It'll make sense here in a second. It'll all come together, I promise. But the focus of the story is not why nation was pit against nation or who was on the right side of this war. Rather, it was that a man found himself captive, a slave of war that he had no place in. Lot and his possessions were taken by the victors to this pointless war. Now we have to understand, Lot didn't just end up in the middle of a war. That was inevitable. When in fact, he could have avoided the inevitable. Maybe not the war, but certainly, certainly, he could have avoided the captivity and the enslavement that it produced. Let me just stop here and tell you, young person, you may not can avoid the chaos and the war that is out there, but it is, it is possible that you avoid the enslavement, amen, that it produces. It is possible that you avoid the captivity of sin. Oh, I, I know we're, we're, we're kind of uh, on a Friday morning kind of vibe, and we just kind of want to get through it, but I want to preach a little bit here today. There's, there's a lot of things that are inevitable in our life, but there are many things that can be avoided. There are many things. Lot didn't just end up. He didn't just end up there. As a matter of fact, he chose. He chose it. For it was only a few chapters earlier that we read, Lot and his possessions had grown. They had flourished. He was blessed beyond, beyond measure. He had grown so much that where he and his uncle were living, there was no longer any room for Lot and his possessions and Abram and his possessions. Understand that. He had grown to the point that he could no longer fit where he was. His giftings, his callings, his talents, were greater than the, the area that he was in. Now, we read in that chapter that Abraham, this is not Father Abraham we're talking about. This is Uncle Abraham. Because he's not reached his potential yet. As a matter of fact, he was so far from his potential that the chapter before, he calls his wife, his sister, to avoid being killed. So we're still dealing with Uncle Abraham. We've not even reached Father Abraham. So Uncle Abraham, he sees, I've grown, I've been blessed. Lot, you've grown, you've been blessed. And Uncle Abraham decides, hey, how about we separate? How about you look into the east and the west and you decide where you want to go? And this is how it came about. Now, I don't believe that Abraham was, was I mean, I, I just don't believe he was right when he made that suggestion. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think he had the wrong approach in trying to avoid or preventing any kind of feud amongst his family. I just don't think he was right in this case. 
Because after this all happened, Lot twice, twice found himself in dire need of Abraham's help. I, I, I personally believe that, that the separation between Lot and Abraham happened prematurely. And you know what? The funny thing about th that whole story is the feud wasn't even between Lot or Abraham. It was between their herdsmen. The herdsmen had contention and strife. And Abraham says, well, what are we going to do? Lot says, I don't know. What do you think we should do? I don't know if they were country, but I just figured they're from the country. They might as well be country. Abraham's like, well, we should go up yonder. You buy some real estate over in, I don't know, wherever you want. And Lot, Lot is just a young man. I, I'm just, I know, I know I'm feeling after the spirit here today, but I, I remember when I was, when I was younger, and I remember when my gifting and my calling and my talent, whatever it was at the time, I remember when I felt like it just didn't fit in the space that God had given me. I remember when I felt like I had outgrown my father's house. I remember when I thought, you know what, I'm going to go make my own way. When I'm 18, Pastor Carpenter, I'm out of here. You know what, Abraham, not Abraham, Abraham. We're talking about Uncle Abraham. Uncle was like, hey, you know what, let's just avoid the conflict altogether. Let's just not even deal with it. And you go your way. And I'll go mine. I'm just telling you, young people, sometimes, yeah, you can separate yourself from the world, and you need to. But there's certain people that you shouldn't separate yourself prematurely. People like your parents. People like the man of God. People like your youth pastor. I'm going to tell you what happened. Lot outgrew his ministry, but he had nothing to go to. And, and I know we're, we're good about outgrowing ministries, but we're terrible when it comes to growing into a ministry. We want to preach. We want to we do this and that. We want to we wanna go out and make a name for ourselves, but we have nothing to go to. There's no direction. It's just, wait, wh wherever you want to go, Lot, whatever you want to do, it's your choice. It is your choice. But your choices have consequences. The decisions you make today, you can guarantee they will affect your tomorrow. We're reading a story about consequences. We're reading a story about decisions that had to be made. Listen, Lot, Lot wasn't perfect, but neither was Abraham. And I don't, I don't find anywhere in the scripture where Abraham went to God and said, Lord, what should we do about the contention and the strife between my house and Lot's? I don't see anywhere in the scripture where Lot said, God, should I go or should I stay? And you know what God has to say about the whole matter? God's only, God's only input in this matter was that when Lot left, when he looked at the plain of Jordan and said, hey, you know what? I think they'll let me preach over there. Hey, you know what? I think I'll be uh, a little better financially off if I take that scholarship or if I take that career. You know, you know what? 
when Lot left, you know what God said? He said, hey, he said, Sodom, and it's almost like he whispered it in Abraham's ear. He said, hey, Sodom, they're wicked and sinful exceedingly, God. That's the only thing he said about them. You know why? Because Lot considered, but he never consulted. I'm just, I'm just here to tell some young person today, we need the counsel of God in our life. We need the counsel of God in every decision that we make in life. No, 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 it's not good enough that you just go to pastor when you've already made the decision. No, you need God's counsel when you're considering. Oh, before you ever consider, oh, before you ever consider, let it be that you've gone before God. Let it be that you've sought the face and the counsel of God in your life. Oh, we need, we need a revival of God's counsel in our life, young people. We need a revival. I remember my mother telling me as a, as a young person, she said, son, don't ever make a decision without burying your face at an altar and fasting before you ever make a decision. You better have talked to, to God. I'm telling a young person here today, I know you want to date that person. I know you want to take that job. I know you'd like to go to school somewhere else, but before you you sign off on any decision of your life, let it be said that you spent time in the counsel and the wisdom of God. Come on, would you help me preach today? Listen, young person, you may not avoid the chaos. You may not avoid the destruction. You may not avoid the worlds. Oh, but you can. You can avoid being enslaved and taken captive if you will just seek the counsel of God. I know, I know you could preach good. I know you're a good preacher. I know, I know that sometimes you have to put your preaching aside because you know what? The pastor's herdsmen and your herdsmen don't get along. It's not that pastor don't understand your vision, but sometimes, uh, hey, guess what? Abraham, Uncle Abraham, you got to cut off the herdsmen and not cut off Lot. And Lot, sometimes you can't cut off Abraham. You got to just let go of the herdsmen that are causing contention and strife. Hey, you know what? I don't want anything to come between me and my man of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, I may, I may have talent. I may have a God-given gift. I may have purpose. I may have anointing, but I'll never outgrow the authority and the Uh, I'm, not, I'm not speaking from a place I've never been before. I'm telling you, I remember it wasn't long ago, Pastor McCool, that I called and I said, hey, I got an opportunity. And, and he said, hey, I hope your bags aren't, par aren't packed yet. I said, no way. I've learned. I've learned from previous mistakes. I can't make a decision without consulting the man of God in my life. I cannot go. I cannot do if I don't have the blessing. Of God's counsel in my life.
I'm just telling you today, you'll be better off. You'll be better off. Hey, I know a lot of people, they only go to pastor when the decision's already made, and they don't go for counsel. They just go to let them know. Hey, I'm just letting you know, pastor, I'm out of here. Hey, I'm just letting you know I'm no longer going to be a part of the music ministry, pastor. Hey, I'm just letting you know I'm not going to be in the choir no more. What will happen? What Are you going to Are you gonna go do something else? Are you going to start another ministry? Or did you just outgrow something and never, never seek to grow into what God has called you to do and to be. I don't want to leave just because I feel the desire to go. I want direction from God. I want God to lead and to God. I want God to direct. Hey, I'm just going to say ditto to Pastor Garnett's message yesterday. It's God's way. It's not God's way or the highway. It's God's way or hell. It's God's way or you're going to end up uh, enslaved uh, or you're going to end up captive in a war you have no place in. There's no purpose. There's no point. There's nothing that's relevant about what's happening in the world. God is concerned with you, Lot. God is concerned. I know I'm off my notes today, but guess what? I know, hey, I was the first I was the first to stand up and put my fist in the air when George Floyd died and I was the I was one of the first to say, "Hey, black lives matter." But God spoke to me and he said, "Hey, Joseph, guess what? We're not a you are not a human activist group. We're not a civil rights group. Hey, we're better than that. We are the church. Hey, we started civil rights. Hey, we started equality. I want you to know today, don't be getting involved in wars and battles that are full of slime pits and you have no place in. Hey, it matters how you present yourself. It matters, oh, it matters who you are to this world. It may not matter to you, but it matters to them. Understand one thing, you're not living for God for you. You're living for God for a generation that is watching you. You're living for God because Hebrews said there is a great cloud of witnesses. Oh, there are those patriarchs that have gone on before us that they're looking at you. They're looking at you. You may not value your life. You may not value your ministry. You may not value what you have to bring. Oh, hallelujah to the table. But let me tell you, you better reevaluate your value system because it ain't about, hallelujah, how you feel. It's about what you know. And you got to know today, God is concerned with you, Lot. God wants to know. Will you seek the counsel of God? Just telling you today, I'm 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 speaking to you from my heart today. I'm I'm speaking to the, the, I'm, and I'm not I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be dumb and I'm not trying to be boastful. There was a hundred other things I could have preached today. I could have preached to you about the power. I could have preached to you about speaking. I could have told you jump, sleep, run. I don't know. Throw yourself on the floor, roll around a few times, and we would have had some good church. But I'm just telling you today, there, there's a spirit, a man that has come over the church that God is saying, hey, you know what? It's time to take off the floaties. It's time to get out of the kiddie pool. It's time to go into deep waters without fear or reservation and understand, I'm the God of the oceans. I can take you into the deep and never cause the water to go above your head. Hey, understand this today, young person. God wants to do 
a great and mighty work in your life. I come to spit in the devil's face today. Hey, you can't have my lot. You can't have my nephew. You can't have. Hey, there, there, there's so many principles in this, and I'm going to be careful because I don't want to take up all the time, amen? But you know what? Abraham, you shouldn't have gave him up. You shouldn't have gave him up because you didn't even have a son yet. You didn't even have a successor. Oh, your land could have been his land, and his land could have been your land. You could have done more together than you ever did separated. Let me tell you, young person, you can do more with your you pastor than you can trying to outgrow him. Hey, let me talk to some young minister today. I I'm on the same boat with you. Listen, hey, I know, I know we have great ministries, and God has anointed us, and God has given us, uh, oh, some divine abilities, and we've seen the miraculous in our prayer rooms, but we're never going to grow uh, any bigger. We're never going to be any greater if we separate ourselves prematurely from the hand of God in our life. You know, there, there's, even, there's even biblical principles in here, Brother Fuller. Because look, <laughs> Lot had grown. He had grown. He was growing. His business was thriving. But you know what? He was growing beyond the capability of the stability and the structure of his own house. You know, I wasn't going to share it, but I'll share it because, hey, it's Entrepreneur Friday. I have two businesses of my own. And, and God has blessed us. We're, we're successful. But I learned, I learned last summer that, that I can't take on more work than I can handle. It don't, it don't matter how, how great and how, how, how reputable my business is. Uh, if I can't handle what God has given me, I'm never going to be able to handle more. I'm telling you today, if you can't get a hold of the herdsmen that are causing contention and strife, you're not going to grow beyond that place. Uh, you're just going to be depleted in another place. You're just going to end up defeated in another land. Uh, oh, but I'm telling you today, let's put away the herdsmen. Let's put away the differences. Uh, let's put away the things uh, that will cause contention and strife and let's grow together and let's have revival together tri-state let's see our youth group on fire for god like never before oh i Hey, I, I, I'm going to speak from my heart today, and I'm not making a mess that I won't be able to clean up. But I'm telling you, in Pentecost, we've learned how, how to outdo each other, how to outpreach one another, how to outgrow each other. But you know what God is saying? I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed with your preaching. I'm not impressed with your methods. I'm not impressed with your growth. I want to know, can you be together? Can you be united? Can you come and do a work without there being contention or strife among you? Can you put away the herdsman? Can you say to God, I want your counsel. I want your will. I want your way. Would you lift your hands right there where you are? Oh, 
I'm just telling you today what God put in my heart. Hey, I want revival in Arthur. Hey, I want revival in Clinton. Hey, I want revival, hallelujah, oh, in the tri-state district. I want every youth group, when they come to youth rally, I don't want them to be, oh, God, I got to go to another. No, I want them to be with their head lifted high. Hey, let's get to the house of God. Hey, let's have revival. Hey, let's see God move in a mighty way in these last days. I know there's chaos in the world. I know there's war. But God, God is still doing mighty works among our midst. Listen, I said it. I'll say it again. The decisions you make today, 100% they affect you tomorrow. I had a pastor that I served for a long time, Pastor Russell. He, every day he'd pick me up and we would go work at the church. I was just a young person and, and, and he, they, they brought me up this way. They taught me how to work. Like the sister said, you got to learn how to work. You can't just sit at the house all day. I don't care if it's summer. You can't just sit at the house, do something, go clean the yard, get a lawnmower, get a weed eater, go to the church and pray, go study, go ask your pastor what he needs. I'm telling you, there's something about when you occupy yourself in the kingdom of God. But I'm telling you, hey, listen, listen, the reason that Lot found himself in a helpless situation is because he didn't seek the help to begin with. How, how be it that the, that the nephew of one of the greatest men that we know in Scripture, how be it that the nephew of this man he was connected to almost like a son to him, how be it that he found himself in a prayerless situation? I submit to you, that he didn't pray to begin with. You know what? You don't want to be 30 still dealing with pornography because you didn't seek help when you were 16. You don't want to be married having to deal with, with a situation of adultery because you couldn't deal with it when you were 13 because instead of dealing with the herdsmen, you decided to escape. You can't run from all your battles. You can't be like the king of Sodom and say, hey, it's up to you guys. I know I'll get the spoils of the war at the end, but I'm not going to fight. No, you got to get in the fight. You got to understand, hey, listen, this is not about the herdsmen. This is about Lot and Abraham. This is about the plan of God and the promise of God. Hey, listen, young lady. If he's touching you now, he'll be touching somebody else later. Don't be surprised when he cheats on you when you're married if he's cheating on you now while you're dating. I'm just, I'm just telling you, this is, this is biblical principles right here. Lot, you got to deal with the herdsmen. Abraham, you got to deal with the herdsmen because guess what? You may not be able to see every adverse situation. You may not be able to see the great war that's going to break out in the coming days. But understand this, if you don't take care of it now, you'll end up a slave. You'll end up captive of a war that has no purpose, has no meaning. You didn't even have a place in it. You weren't even, you weren't even involved in the council of the war. You weren't brought in before the kings. You're a nobody in a nothing land. And you know what? I know I'm off my notes. I'm just going to close this because I'll get lost here. But I want to say this. Listen, 
Abraham, Abraham, after the story unfolds and we understand that this, the consequences of his decision, he didn't consider God. He's separated himself from the man of God. And now he ends up in this situation where he's captive in this great war that has no meaning, has no purpose. But Abraham, you know what? For 13 years, Abraham stayed silent. You know what? We would have we excommunicated Abraham in today's society. He didn't post nothing about the Ukraine. He didn't say nothing about Russia. I'm serious. He's, and it wasn't that Abraham was silent. Did you put that picture up there again? It wasn't that Abraham was silent. It's that Abraham had a promise. It said, Abraham, you know what? He didn't want to jeopardize or compromise his promise to get involved in a war he had no place. I'm not going to get up and speak for civil rights movements because guess what? I got the Holy Ghost. And you know what? We can fix the laws and we can change the government. That's what the world was doing. The world said, hey, I'm tired of, I'm tired of serving this guy. Let's serve another guy. Let's start a revolt. Let's find our own liberty. You know what? This world is looking for freedom, but they'll never find it because there is no true liberty outside of Christ but I'll tell you where you find liberty oh hallelujah where the spirit of God there is liberty there is no condemnation unto them that are free I'm telling you today the church has the answer you are the light and the salt of the earth you have no place in some civil platform. You have no place in some political platform. I don't care if you love Trump. I don't care if Joe Biden's your uncle. I'm telling you today, God has given you a promise. God has given you purpose, and it is to go ye unto all the world. Hey, I, I got room to talk today. I ain't even white. I don't know if you knew that. Those listening on the radio are like, what? Turn this thing off. Just kidding. Hey, I've experienced, you know, I lived in Texas all my life. I never had a racist situation. Anybody treat me discriminatory or have prejudice against me. But as soon as I moved to Tennessee, boy, it got tough. Don't tell me it ain't real. But I'm telling you what. I have no business getting involved in some in some group that, hey, we can't just go to war over a few right reasons. We can't just buy, we just, we, we just can't go to battle over some good reasons. I just need a good reason to fight. No, every reason has to be right. Every reason has to be good. That's why you're not going to go wrong fighting for the truth. That's why you're not going to lose when you stand up for the apostolic doctrine because why? It's infallible. It's unadulterated. It's the word of God. It came from heaven. It was uh, inspired. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you today, there is a mighty power that comes when you stand for truth. There's a mighty power when you stand for Trey Abraham. He wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't that he wasn't involved. It wasn't that he was silent on the matter. Because guess what? I know the scripture doesn't say it, but there's some suggestion in there that these men, because Abraham was part of a confederacy to begin with. But Abraham's confederacy was that they didn't want to get involved. Because any time those cities were, were, were being destructed and destroyed and invaded, they could have got involved. Because they could have been like, hey, we're next, guys. 
But I, I, promise, I promise you that Abraham stood up in his confederacy and said, hey, listen, guys, let's just wait this out. We're going to be all right. Don't, 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 don't get all distressed while the world's in chaos. We're, we're going to be fine. How do, how do you know that, Abraham? How do you know that? I got a promise. Hey, what are we going to do? I just heard that my great uncle out there in, in Milwaukee, he went out of business. What are we going to do? I just heard they just tanked. I just heard that, 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 that a young man went into business for himself and lost all his money. He sold everything to Bitcoin, and Bitcoin robbed him. And I heard this and that. Hey, I'm not going to get concerned with what's happening in the world because I got a promise. And you know what? That's why it's okay to start a business in this economy, in this environment. Why? Because I got a promise. I got the favor of God in my life. I have the hand of God on me today and I'm telling you it's not about what's happening out there it's about what's happening right here right now God is saying to you will you trust me will you seek my counsel so Abraham he doesn't get involved he minds his own business and he tells his boys his boys let's just wait Let's, let's let this thing play out. And I'm sure, listen, you've been living around someone long enough, you know how they are. I'm sure Abraham knew that king of Sodom, he ain't going to last. <laughs> that dude's a coward. He ain't going to fight. Why am I going to fight for somebody that don't want to fight? Hey, there's some people, it's not that we give up on them, it's that they gave up on themselves. You don't want this salvation, you don't want this truth. That is your prerogative, but you're not going to take me down with you because I want it. Hey, listen, I'm just going to tell you, as Pastor Garnett was preaching yesterday, he was talking about standards and truth. And, and the, the one thing that came to my mind, if, you're, if you have a problem with standard, you're not a part of the majority. You're a part of the minority. You're one of the few that have a problem with standards of the church. But there's a large group of us that say, hey, I want more standards. Hey, I want more fences. I want more guidelines. I want Pastor Nate to preach me out of a devil's hell. I want Pastor Zach to tell me what's wrong with having Snapchat. I want there to be somebody to help me out of a destruction and a chaos that consumes this world. I just believe uh, we're, you're not living in a day where people have a problem wearing skirts uh, and men wearing pants. Uh, you're living in a day where they're looking at themselves like, hey, what the heck is going on here? I don't know. All I know is this, uh, that God has his hand on the church, uh, that God is going to do a work. I know. I know. We get upset. We get upset over what's being spit. And, and I have friends. I have friends that they complain about what's being said in the pulpit and how hard they're preaching it. And, and they shouldn't be so rough and they shouldn't be so mean. Why not? The world is mean. They're meaner than we are. My God, you can't even go to a hospital, Brother Fallon, without them asking you, do you want to be a boy or a girl? Well, look at me. Just look at me. What do you mean do I want to be? It's what God made me. It's not what I want to be. It's not about the choice that you have. It's about the responsibility that God has given you. God made you a woman for a reason. God made you a man for a reason. So stand up and be proud of what God has made you.
I'm hurrying to a close. <laughs> Abram doesn't get involved. He isn't really silent, but doesn't get involved. Until, until, and look at this. Lot didn't even have the guts to run back to Abram. Lot was just like, all right, let's go. He was willing to be captive. My man volunteered to go. He said, where are we going? I'll go. But somebody that was connected to Abraham, look at how God works. Hey, backsliders may not come back, but their friends will. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, backsliders may not come back to this church, but you're going to see the people they've been hanging out with. They'll start walking in, and they'll say, hey, can you help me? And by the way, you remember that young man that was here? He's out there too. Could you think we can go back and get him too? That, listen, that's what we're seeing in the church today. We're seeing a revival not of the backslidden. We're seeing a revival of those that are connected to backsliders. Why? Because they, whatever they want to try to get rid of, they can't get rid of. They can't get rid of God in their life. And God is working through them even in the backslidden state that they're in. That's why we can't stop praying and for those backsliders. God, use them. Use them in that bar. Use them in that pothouse. Use them in that crack house to speak the word of the Lord. And when you bring those they're connected to will go back for them when you bring those that they're around will go back for them that's what Abraham gets involved let me run back and say hey your brother's son he's been taken captive and Abraham for once for once, Abraham does the right thing. For once, up to this point, for once, Abraham says, hey, you know what? I'm not going to stand for this. Abraham didn't go before his confederacy. Hey, guys, what do y'all think we should do? Y'all think we ought to go pray for them? He didn't call a committee together. He didn't, he didn't get on Twitter and say, what should we do? Question mark. No. Abraham said, they got who? Hold on one second. Hey, stop cooking, stop cleaning. Come here. Pick up a sword. We're going to go retrieve. What doesn't belong to me, what belongs to God. We're going back. And you know what? We read this story, and I'm coming to a close, but we read this story, and, 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 and we see that, that these kings are in these wars and these great nations. Could you pull that image again up there one more time? We read this story of all these great kings going to battle and going to war and conquering one another. And you know what? And, and, and all of this is, is, because you, is because they're hungry and they're thirsty for power, and, 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 and they want to be powerful, and they want to be dominant, and they want to to be the leaders of their of their world and their nation and Abraham says hey I'm not looking for all that I'm not looking for more land I'm not looking for more riches I'm not looking for more power or authority I just want my nephew back I just want that soul that was taken that doesn't belong to the devil that doesn't belong to the world I'm telling you today there's going to be a question that's going to arise in your spirit and God's going to ask you what are you doing it for young man what are you doing it for young lady are you in this for the riches 
Are you in this for the blessings? Are you in this to look pretty? Are you in this to look cute? Are you in this to be this great name preacher? Are you in this so you can be this next James Wilson? Are you in this so you can be a great guitarist, a great drummer? Or is there a soul that you have in mind? Is there a lost loved one? Is there a lost sibling that you're thinking of every time you get up to preach, every time you get up to pray, every time you get up to sing? Can you see them? Can you see them walking through that door? Can you see them praying at this altar? Can you see them returning their life to God? Is it for the souls or is it for the substance? Are you just wanting to make yourself great or are you wanting to build the great kingdom of God? Is my brother here today? Is Jeremy here? He's probably taking care of my son. Come here, Jeremy. I know. I'm going to tell you something. You don't ever give up on family. I don't care how lost they are. This is my lot. Caught up in a war he didn't belong in. Lost, deserted, abandoned. We were all guilty of it. I being the chief cornerstone of abandoning him in his time of help. I remember I got a call and said, hey, your brother, I think he's living on the street. I said, which one? I got four brothers. I said, the youngest. Called Jeremy. He wasn't in his right mind, and he'll tell you, and I hope one day he gets called to preach. He is called to preach. He's a great preacher, better than I am. He won't get up here and curse. But I'm going to tell you this. Called him. He wasn't in his right mind. And I don't mean to embarrass him. He's like, can I borrow $20? I said, $20? I said, Jeremy, ask me for $200. Ask me for $400. Who, what do you need $20 for? And how do I send $20? It cost me $20 to send $20. I said, Jeremy, listen. I said, stop what you're doing. I'll buy your plane ticket. I, will, I, will, I work at a great job. I can give you a job. Just come. I'll, I'll give you a place to live. You don't have to worry about anything. He said, I'll think about it. Didn't hear from him for a year. We were at marriage retreat. We had just gone through a, an amazing time at marriage retreat. And I got back into my room that evening. And I looked at my phone. And to my surprise, he had texted our family and our group and said, hey, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do it for real this time. And you can tell that he was serious by the, by the way he was saying it. And my sister was saying, Jeremy, I'll buy your plane ticket. And my brother pitched in and said, hey, I'll give you money to go. And my other brother said, hey, go. You need to go. And before I could ever read it, before I could ever say come, yes, they had already purchased this plane ticket to Knoxville. You know, when he got here, it wasn't easy. <laughs> Boy, did we ever fight. It's like we were kids again. But 
I told him, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let you go back to that old world. I'm not going to let you go back to that old life of sin. Hey, we don't belong separated. We belong together. I'm just telling you today what God could do for you. Listen, listen. When you make it about souls... When you make it about souls, when you, when you have the right intention, when you have the right motive, God could, God could prosper you. I, look, and I, I'm not being boastful, and, and, I, and I promise you, I don't have as much money as these great entrepreneurs here today. I'm going to ask them for a loan after church, so get your check cards ready and investment. But God blessed me with two businesses. And, I, and I've been telling, and I, I love what I heard today because I was thinking, I've been telling my wife I want to start a third one. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't start my business because I wanted to get rich. My pastor knows. I, I, it was a necessity. I told Pastor Nate one day, hey, I'm, I'm starting my business. We'll see how it goes. See if it lasts three months. We'll see. And we prayed together. He prayed with me. We prayed together. Next thing you know, Jeremy was already here. My other brother who was lost, we flew him down. He stayed with me three months. Next thing you know, my other brother, we, we start another business and he flies down. Next thing you know, my mother and my father, they're here. And you know what's happening in the background? The, the things that I haven't even shared with you is that there is, there's a Spanish church in Knoxville, Tennessee that got... There's a church that God is raising up. We had 61 souls in church on Tuesday night. I'm telling you something. Let me tell you something. Hey, when you make it about souls, there is no limit to what God can do in your life. There is no, hey, listen, there is no boundary. There is nothing that will keep you. you enjoyed that hope it was a blessing tune in guys for more content more episodes coming your way i am back on the grind trying to get out more episodes as as the um, as the time comes I've been extremely busy and i've i know that several i've reached out and asked when's the next when's the next episode when's the next podcast and uh, I do want to say that we are going live on YouTube on Sundays. Sundays with Matt is going to become a YouTube segment. So if you're interested in watching or listening to to it, um, we're still trying to figure it out. But um, yeah, connect, connect to our YouTube, uh, Joseph's podcast. And we have one episode out now. Like I said, we're still trying to figure out all the bells and whistles, but we'll get it. Anyways, thank you and God bless.